Welcome to the Vacation Rental Success Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Hostfully. Hostfully is a property management and guest experience software for short-term rentals that helps management companies, large and small, scale their vacation rental businesses. With features designed to help manage and grow property management operations, this could be the solution for you. Use the promo code VRF100 to save $100. Let's get started. Here's your host, Heather Bayer. Today, I am talking to my friend Andy Medic, the former owner of Sea Change Vacation Rentals. Andy's been on the show a couple of times and we've talked about many topics. Today, we're discussing being a guest. And Andy's sharing some of his thoughts after a three week multi location family vacation across Italy. And I'll add to it some of my experiences that I've had this year in being a guest. This is the Vacation Rental Success Podcast, keeping you up to date with news, views, information and resources on this rapidly changing short-term rental business. I'm your host, Heather Bayer, and with 25 years of experience in this industry, I'm making sure you know what's hot, what's not, what's new and what will help make your business a success. Well, hello and welcome to another episode of the Vacation Rental Success Podcast. This is your host, Heather Bayer, and as ever, I am super delighted to be back with you once again. Today, I'm talking about the experience of being a guest, and I've done this a few times before. I think it's so important that as hosts and property managers, that Everybody that's involved in the business gets out and experiences it for themselves. And that's not just going to look at a property and checking it out. It's actually experiencing the whole process from the search phase to the booking phase to that Andy McNulty calls the tumbleweed time, that period between booking and stay, when often you hear absolutely nothing from your host, right the way through the stay itself and then the follow-up. The reason it's important to experience that is that it can guide you in how to do it in the best possible way yourself. So I wanted to check in with Andy Medic, who has, I say recently, it was, it was a couple of months ago, he took a family trip to Italy it was a three-week stay. Andy's going to tell you all about it. There were some good parts and there were some, well, he calls them disasters. So I think it's very worthwhile to hear from Andy what his experiences were like. And we're going to hear how his family felt about it, not just him as an experienced property manager. And I'm going to chip in on the odd occasion with some of my experiences as well. So without further ado, let's move on over to my great discussion with Andy Medic. So I'm super happy to have with me today again, Andy Medic, the former owner of Sea Change Vacation Rentals. I think is this the first time we've spoken since you sold the company? I think it is. And you know, like you, I have joined this rare club, this, well, actually not that rare, this club of formers. 
former <laughs> CEOs of vacation rental management companies that have sold. What a wild year. If you'd have asked me a year ago, would I be here now? You know, not this fast, I would have said, but here we are. Yeah, I think I, I was thinking that today, you know, thinking back a, a year ago, a year ago, December 2021, I think I just put together the sales brochure for selling cottage link rental management. And, you know, I had it in my head that we, we might sell it. And then the broker was saying, ah, oh, you know, it takes a long time. So no, at that point, I was not allowing myself to think <laughs> that, that by the time I got to this point, we would have be six months out of the business. Yeah. 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 And, you know, I had, honestly, I had about a five-year plan. I was thinking I would sell probably within the at the end of the next five years, I had specific goals in mind that I wanted to achieve with the business. And, you know, this might be an actual separate episode. I'm happy to come on and chat about the sale of the business and, you know, the whys and wherefores. But just suffice to say, we hired a really good broker and we went through the process of getting the business ready. And, you know, the timing was was right. I didn't want to miss the opportunity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think and now I'm free. I am freed up. I'm freed <laughs> up from day-to-day operations. You know, I'm. I'm. I can realign the way I feel now. I can realign myself to things that I am better skilled at, rather than trying to hold everything down. Yeah, no. I always, I always have in, I always have in mind the photos that you were posting on your Facebook page of the your your vehicle just piled up high with linens, with <laughs> changeover yeah. day, and then there was one with you sitting in it in and I mean I hesitate to say office. You you had a little desk and you were just surrounded by racks and racks of sheets and duvets and towels. Yeah, we called that the bunker. That was our our linen storage facility. <laughs> So no more. And if he disappeared into the bunker, no more linen checking for you then. No, <laughs> no, and you know, you kind of people joke, "Oh, what's the title of your autobiography going to be, Andy?" And I think it probably will be something along the lines of, "I lost a toenail to linens." <laughs> <laughs> Brittany Blackman posted a photo of she was she was bruised from a turnover, and you know, I've been there. I actually broke my nose making beds one day. I lost a toenail. That's a long story you probably don't want to get into. <laughs> you know, linens are a dangerous business to be in. <laughs> yeah, well, you're not doing that anymore. What are you doing? You know, I think probably a period of reflection, I think. You know, some days I wake up and I think, you know what, I could really be retired. You know, I could, I could really enjoy this. You know, because when you run a business, you have the ability to make direct changes. You know, you're, you're in control of your own, your, your own world. And if you see a problem, you can directly address it. You can roll out a new initiative. You can make a big difference to guests or property owners, but then you sell, you wake up one day and you've sold your business and you're thinking, okay, now what next? I'm not ready. I love this industry. At the point in time I sold my company, I was not done in terms of the things that I set out to achieve 10 years ago when I first set it up. So, you know, you think, what next? So I think right now I'm leaning towards, I really want to help other small to medium operators really get their professional house in order. And really, I I really don't like the word optimize. It kind of sounds greedy. And I don't really want to focus on the money side of this because I think if you do, if you chase the money, you're always chasing the money. But if you put a good foundation in place first, then the money is going to come. And that sounds Mm kind of crunchy and holistic. 
But I think it's true. If you're chasing the money first and foremost, then I think there's just a lot of muddling. So to that end, I'd be muddling and mulling <laughs> over for the past six or seven months of what comes next. And, you know, some days I feel like I'm sort of yelling into the wind. You know, I'm, I'm ranting and raving and driving Tom crazy by, can you believe what they're doing on Airbnb now? And, <laughs> and you know, like I said, previously I could just make a direct change. So I've started a vacation rental consulting company, and it is called Stay Attention Vacation Rental Consulting. And the Stay Attention, it's all based on the concept of how I set up my vacation rental management company, Sea Change Vacation Rentals. It's basically based on designing a company around the needs of the guest first. We're managing a real estate asset for our owners, yeah, but we, if we have to put the needs of the guest first and the guests, if you take care of the guests, they're going to take care of you in terms of bringing you the income and revenue. So stay attention. It's aimed at small to medium-sized vacation rental operators to help them figure out you know, how they're going to do it. And I think if you asked your average person who is knee-deep running a business you know, working long days, if you sort of ask them, why are you doing this? You know, what what do you, what problem are you trying to solve? You know, a lot of people are just deer in the headlights. Like they don't really understand the context of the question. So it's really helped people pick through that. And then from there, I could dive deeper and help them, you know, figure out what you need to put into a vacation rental kitchen. Where are you going to source your linens? You know, there are some things for me that are you learn the hard way that are non-negotiable. I'm a firm believer now that beds should be made and stripped for the guest. You should not put the guest through any kind of workload on arrival or departure. If you'd have asked me that five years ago, you know, I was struggling with the same issues everybody is. You know, guests would arrive to a nice, neat linen package on the front porch, but then they have to make the beds at midnight mm-hmm. when they arrive. That That's not good. So there you go. That's what what's coming next. Oh, that sounds that sounds a lot of fun, and I shall uh, I shall look forward to hearing how that progresses. But today we're going to be talking about your experience as a guest, and I know that uh, you you had this wonderful trip that you'd planned to Italy, three weeks with it was you and Tom and family. So take yep. it take it away. Just give us a bit of the background of you know what what this trip was about and how you went about planning it. So this trip for me was the first trip that I planned. You know, when we travel, we always stay in vacation rentals where and when we can. And I enjoy the experience. I enjoy the product. But this was my first time planning the trip purely as a guest. I'd sold my own vacation rental company, and I was kind of between gigs, if you will. And I thought, it, this is a really good opportunity to get the family together. And it's multi-generational. It's a good use case, if you like, for any kind of product out there. But there you go. I'm going back into my professional <laughs> mode. I want to just stick to the guests. So, you know, I think the overall experience of this, we were three weeks across Italy. It was quite an ambitious trip to undertake, you know, given the needs of our group. I had two elderly parents in their mid-80s in great shape, but, you know, typical for people in their mid-80s, you know, some mobility issues and a need to rest and stairs and elevators and all those things. And then, my sister and her husband both have some mobility issues with some accidents that they've had. So, you know, for me, there were some non-negotiable requirements that I had. So I set about, you know, just doing the research. I hit the OTAs. I tried to find a property I like after days of research. I try to find that that company offline. Sorry, OTAs, but, you know, book direct, yay. And, you know, 
I had very little success in finding. Maybe it's trying to do this from across the Atlantic, but I had very little success in finding Book Direct in Italy. So we booked overall across three weeks, we booked six vacation rental properties. Two of them were Book Direct and four of them were sourced through OTAs. So of those three, Airbnb and one VRBO. My experience overall was very good with the Book Directs. They they nailed it. All of these properties, I will say, were marketed as luxury properties and luxury experiences. The two book directs really knocked it out of the park. The OTAs, um, not so much. And without blaming any one particular OTA, because that's not my game here, I'm a big fan of the OTAs. I think they provide a very good function for our industry, and I am not anti-OTA. I would just say for the people listening who are running vacation rental companies, make sure you have a strategy for using the OTAs. They are really good at lead generating for first-time guests. Mm-hmm. So that being said, you know, I had summarized my experience. Firstly, I, I started to wonder during booking. So there were two things. I had some issues during booking in, in terms of the research I had to do. It's it's a big responsibility being the registered guest, the primary for five other people. And none of them had stayed in vacation rentals before. So I kind of felt pressure, you know, as a guy who's just sold a company, I wanted to show my family, hey, these vacation rentals are really good. And I was a little embarrassed at the experience we had in, in four of these properties. That, that's, uh, so, that's a lot. Four out of the six gave you a cause mm-hmm. for embarrassment to family members who'd never been in a vacation rental before. I can understand yeah. that. Yeah, and you know, it, it. some of them were, and it, the, the, the shame with this, that there's a lot of these issues, I think are pretty, not easy. I mean, this is a very complicated business. There's a lot of moving parts and there's a lot of labor that's needed to get this done right. But I think from a structural standpoint, these are fairly simple problems to solve, but complicated to execute, if you get mm-hmm. my meaning. So consistently i see a problem with kitchens you check in and the kitchens are just awful we cook a lot we cook a lot at home and we cook a lot while we're traveling and then you factor in mobility issues it's hard to get elderly parents out to a restaurant you know and then you've got to find somewhere my brother was on crutches you got to deal with that so we cooked a lot and you open the cupboards and it's just i feel like i've stumbled into somebody else's house you know it's just not set up for somebody who likes to cook. And that mm-hmm. to me is a pretty simple thing to fix. Have a standard guide for your listing, you know, in terms of what you put in a in a kitchen and put it up on your listing on your website somewhere and people can see, hey, if you book a property through this company, this is what I get in a kitchen. I think there were a lot of maintenance issues. I had an issue during booking. There seems to be, and again, I don't know if this is a European thing versus a North American thing, the definition of what constitutes a bed seems to be different in Europe and specifically mm-hmm. Italy. I really had to trawl through a lot of listing photographs, hours, trying to figure out where the beds were, how big they were. And then you realize, you know, a futon or somebody's childhood bed is not a suitable bed for an adult in their 80s, you know, and that would nix that list and then back to the beginning again. And then the other thing for me, parking and access to the property was very important given our family needs. And I was very specific chatting with hosts and managers through OTAs back and forth, 
before I booked and then after I booked, going back, being really paranoid. Again, I just want to make sure that I can actually park the car at the property. And of the four that were an issue, one was a complete disaster, and that was centered around arrival instructions, check-in instructions, parking and access. And in this particular case, the reason why I think this was so disastrous, I didn't realize when I was chatting on Airbnb, I was actually emailing and chatting with the owner of a professional management company who listed her properties on Airbnb. And I later found that company when I was in Italy, and the search engines give you a slightly different uh, exposure. And I found them marketed as a high-end luxury, and they were specific relevant items for me with that property that should have been in the listing description. And then when I asked the host directly and give you an opportunity, I disclose I have two elderly parents. There are things that you should disclose about the property and say, you know what, Andy, maybe this isn't the best property mm-hmm. for you to book with your parents. Uh, and an ex- you know, specifically the problem I had with it was that it was in Lucca, which is a medieval historic walled city in Tuscany. I am not you know, I'm not stupid. I know the product I'm booking. I know there are going to be some limitations in a historic building. But if I ask you, can I park at the property? What are the arrangements for parking because of elderly parents? And you tell me, Andy, no problem. Parking is an easy 10-minute walk away. And you don't discover until you arrive at the property at 9 o'clock at night that you can't actually enter the city in a private car. Italy now has these ZTL zones, which uh, mean you can only enter... Um, certain historic city centers if you are a resident or if you are in a taxi cab going to a hotel and this was not disclosed and we eventually didn't end up arriving into the apartment until 10 30 at night and the staff member who facilitated our arrival was very irate that we were keeping him out that late and and gave us no help at all the only thing he wanted us to understand was how to reset the circuit breaker in the apartment. And, you know, we have questions about where's the air, all that kind of stuff. And no, I'm just here to tell you how to set. And then I understood why after he left, you know, circuits were overloaded. You could see the the adapters on the electrical outlets overloaded. My father moved a chair in their bedroom and there was a hole in the wall with bare wires hanging out. Well, gee, you wonder why the circuits keep breaking. But in reality, the problem I had was that was that 48 steps up, from street level to the apartment in a dark hallway, no natural lighting with a bare light bulb on each level on a timer. So my poor parents could not make it up from one level to the next without the light going off. And the steps were worn. It's an old building. The host manager should not have allowed us to book that property. We stayed one night. There were other issues with the property that I don't want to bore people with, but suffice to say that this property really was misrepresented. And I'm not a whiner by nature. You know, I I look for a solution. So I couldn't sleep that night because of some problems in the property. So I went online and found another property and we moved the next day. We were due to stay there for five nights. We left after one. And then I started a dialogue from the new property with Airbnb. I reported the listing and Airbnb reached out to the owner and they closed my case without even following up with me. And the owner had told them that I had lied to her about my group and needs of my group. And, you know, it was just not a great experience that's horrible to hear because you know you you i, th- I think for for a guest you and i i've done i've done this myself this past summer you know we went to germany we went to england and and did this same planning and like any vacation rental guest all you have to go on is those pictures online and the the dialogue 
that you have between you right. and the host or the, or the property manager. And if 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 the, if you then arrive and find it's not as described, do you remember that that old expression? It was snad, significantly not as described. Right. Yeah. yeah. And and it seems yeah. to have disappeared. I don't see it that much. But clearly, you had that experience. Let me just go back a bit and ask you with these uh, all these bookings. What was your experience between booking and the actual stay in terms of information that was provided? Because you know this is this is a particular bugbear of mine. I've mentioned it before. Mm-hmm. Um, Andy McNulty calls it tumbleweed time. And mm-hmm. in, in a presentation he did, yeah. he had this wonderful, wonderful graphic of, of an old gas station out way out in the Arizona desert with this just bit of tumbleweed <laughs> going past, which is exactly what it's like for most people. You sit there thinking, well, I made this booking and I'm going to be there in a week, two weeks and nobody has contacted me. And, and mm-hmm. I, I had mentioned this before going to Miami for the Book Direct show that same same thing happened with the property management company I booked with, and I dropped this great breadcrumb which said, "I'm coming, I'm coming to Miami. I've never mm-hmm. been to your city before." And and to me, as an ex property manager, former property manager, that would have been the the clue. You know, oh great, you haven't been to this place before. I am going to bombard you with information about how to enjoy it because then you're going to going to become my ambassador after and be my word of mouth referrer. But right. I got nothing. Yeah. So I'm, I'm interested to hear what, yeah. what you got. Well, two thoughts on that. Number one, funny thing about tumbleweeds, you know, we, we drive across country every winter. We come to the Californian desert. We, hit a, we see a lot of tumbleweeds in Arizona, Nevada, California. Tumbleweeds are not gentle, fluffy, soft things. Tumbleweeds <laughs> are really tough plants. And when they hit your car, they hit you with a whack. So there's your analogy there. By the time the tumbleweed comes, it whacks you upside down. My experience, you're not going to be surprised at my answer. Nothing. Complete silence after booking. If you don't reach out to the host manager, you don't hear from them. And then you you get a, an email or a text the day before check-in, giving you a lot of detailed information on what you should do for arrival. And you know that that's great if you're still at home. But if you're actually traveling when that communication comes in, A, you might not see it for a while. You may be, in our case, we were traveling across rural areas in Italy, you know, very poor cell phone service and relying on gas stations to go in and get their Wi-Fi to kind of check, did I get anything? (laughs) And then you're told, hey, when you get close to arrival, call us and let us know how far you are away because we need to meet you at the property with a key. That's really difficult to, to navigate that when you're traveling long distances. Mm-hmm. And it just made me think, you know, it, it's not thought, thought through from a guest perspective. It's thought through from an operational company perspective. And these, again, I said earlier on, I think these issues are conceptually, they're easy to resolve. Just set some kind of yardstick and say non-negotiable for me for guest experience is check in and check out directly at the property. And you do not need to come to a rental office to pick up a key. You do not need to schedule an appointment for me to come and give you a key. At the very least, put a lockbox on the building. Smart locks, digital locks are very inexpensive. Put those on the property. So, yeah, tumbleweed communication was a big issue across all the property, all of my experience, with the exception, again, of the two book direct. Mm-hmm. And the two book directs were very different because lots of personalized service, which I think overcame some areas where I think they could improve a little bit. Uh, I booked through a very high-end travel company in Italy 
and they were wonderful. I'll mention them, Feel in Italy. They were they were great. But I didn't actually find Feel in Italy directly. I found them through a, a British travel company called Oliver's Travels. Again, great experience. High-end properties, you're guaranteed a certain quality of amenities. And the communications ahead and during booking were very good. My slight complaint, not a complaint, just my feedback was that they were still using printed guest guides at the property. And I just felt that, you know, with my professional head on, that's a little bit off brand for a luxury company. You know, there are good tools out there such as TouchStay that we know of that, that really can elevate that, that experience. Mm-hmm. But I got to tell you, Oliver's Travels and then a company that we booked with in Venice just for one night, they truly were luxury experiences. And again, the Venice one kind of wasn't a book direct really. It was through booking.com. But then I was able to find the company outside of booking.com and, and reach out to them directly. And they were actually a hotel company that had a suite of apartments on the Grand Canal. Uh, truly luxury experiences. The properties were very well stocked. The kitchens were amazing. We were in the Feel in Italy property. We were there for seven nights. We did a lot of cooking. and We had a lot of interaction with the company checking on us. They were very discreet in how they did it. They didn't just show up at the property, even though their offices were right up the road. I, it, very good experience. Great linens, well-stocked property, good guest communications, everything great. Not like the other four. <laughs> okay, we're going to come back to a few other things in a moment, but um, I just want to take a break from our discussion right now to go across to the president and co-founder of Hostfully, who was our sponsor. Uh, David Jacoby is answering one of the most common questions we hear from property managers when they consider switching to a new property management system or are starting up for the first time. So, David, I always love hearing founder origin stories. It's one of the first questions I ask when I'm interviewing anybody on the podcast. You know, how did you get into this business? So how did Hostfully get started? Oh, boy, this is such a fun question, and I'll try to keep it brief. And anyone wants to uh, talk with me about it in person, I'd love to go on. It actually started as me as a super guest. I traveled the world for a year and stayed in around 40 homes during that time and saw the experience as a guest first. Then I became a host myself. So I have an in-law unit. I started renting that out. And like many hosts, I spent many hours banging my head against the wall, making a really ugly looking Microsoft Word document guidebook for my guests, uh, thinking there's got to be a better way to do this. So that was the beginning. The digital guidebook was our first software, and we started integrating with other property management softwares on the digital guidebooks. And that's when we met my co-founder, Margo, and I met our third co-founder, Steph, who had started a property management software at the time called Orby Rental. We liked each other. It's kind of like dating we joke about. We went out for coffee, went out for lunch, and we jumped off a cliff and said, let's join forces. Our skill sets were complementary. Our products were complementary. And that's when we became an all-in-one property management software and digital guidebook solution. That is a great story. Thank you. You bet. Well, back with uh, Andy Medic again. It was interesting just hearing David Jacoby talking about his 
found a story and being a guest and and then managing his own properties and then talking about digital guest guides because it's exactly what we've been talking about here. So, you know, I know to some extent we're, we're preaching to the converted here, Andy, but I think you've got some really strong messages to get out to listeners based on the experiences um, you've had. And I, I just want to kick off with asking you whether you think that um, – Professional managers make difficult guests. <laughs> you know, yes and no. I think maybe, let me answer this a different way. I think there's, there's, there's two things at play here. There is, there's an intellectual um, standpoint and there's an emotional experience. So I think as professional managers, we understand the business intellectually. But as guests, we experience the, the business emotionally. So when we are then staying as a guest and we're also involved in the industry, you know, we're having an emotional experience as a guest, but it's hard to switch off the fact that, you know, it's hard to, you know, as you're looking around, you're thinking, oh, you go to put your coffee cup down, there's no coffee table there. Or you're in bed and you go, you, you, you go to put your reading glasses down, there's no side table, you know? Little things like that can drive you nuts professionally. That's an intellectual exercise. You know, on two sides of the bed, there should be two tables and two lamps. But emotionally, you look at that, and you might not kind of feel, you might not see the detail. You just know you're not having a great experience. Mm-hmm. And then I kind of look at my experience across the board. And again, I'm just picking Italy because it was a nice, discreet three-week trip. I'd say with my professional head on, you know, I had my emotional guest experience. But when I look at that experience from a professional standpoint for the benefit of the listeners, I think it breaks down into two things. Number one, you've got inexperienced hosts or managers that are getting it wrong really for lack of experience they don't they want to do better but they they don't necessarily know how to do it and we've all done that we're humans we learn we grow we improve our operations with with experience and time and the second one i think is more kind of more damaging you've got hosts or managers that are willfully getting it wrong you know they know what to do but they don't really want to incur the costs of doing business the operational startup costs or the operational continual costs in terms of continual maintenance or refresh and decor, soft furnishings, you know, and, and they're getting it wrong because they're chasing the money first and foremost. And the money is important. We're all trying to earn a living here. And I really believe that if, if you're chasing the money purely from an investment asset kind of perspective and you're not paying attention to the emotional, practical sides for the guests, the money may come, but it's not going to be sustainable. In order to build a sustainable business, you, you've got to put the needs of the guest first, and then they will deliver the money. Yeah, absolutely. You make some great points there. And certainly, you know, talking about the money, we see so much out there now, encouraging people to just list. You've got a property, just right. list it on Airbnb, just list it on VRBO. We'll, we'll, we'll take care of it. And then, of course, they don't. They're not taking care of it. And I sometimes think that that messaging that's coming across from the OTAs is, well, of course, it's incorrect. But to, to some degree, I think it's unethical because it does come across as though, you know, all you have to do is, is post something and they will do the rest. And I think to right. some to some, to some people that that is oh well I don't have to do much more than just post a few pictures in a description. Exactly, and you know if I'm allowed to do it, shout out to another podcast here, the Sarah and T podcast. They put out a, a request 
They had Tim Rizzo, your vice president of Vacation Rental Partner Success for VRBO on a recent episode, and they put out a request for questions. So fresh on off of my experience <laughs> in Italy, I had a question. I, my question was, do you see a role in OTA set in a main maintaining listing standards for hosts and managers that are using your platform. And the response was, our role is not to tell you how to run your business. We're a booking platform. And, you know, I think that's a booking platform. I think that's an accurate statement. But my take on this is that, well, isn't Uber a similar model? Uber doesn't own the cars that the drivers who list on their services You know, I may own my car and I'm an Uber driver, but if you go onto the Uber website, there's a list, a 19-point listing requirement that drivers and their cars have to comply with in order to list on Uber. So, you know, my take on this as a guest booking on an OTA, I don't perceive the fact that somebody else owns that property. I'm booking my vacation Mm -hmm. and I'm using your booking platform to do it. And I just think if you're taking my money as a guest or part of my money, and charging me a booking service fee or whatever they package it as, I think it obligates you to do something to control the quality of the product that's on your platform. You could argue that's a philosophical viewpoint. It's my viewpoint as a guest, not as a professional manager. I'm booking through you as an OTA. You give me a number that I'm to call if I have a problem. Then what happens after that? Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because Tim also made a couple of points. He said that their data... When they looked at, the, at their reviews, they said 25% of travelers want a waffle iron in kitchens. And I thought, that's great that you have, you're doing that kind of research. But if you know that 25% of travelers want a waffle iron, why don't you put together a kitchen guide as a listing requirement mm-hmm. for me as a, as a property owner listing on your platform? Help me out and in return, help your brand. And then the other thing that he said was, his plan was to, to relentlessly market our brand, our brand being Verbo in this case. Show my age here. I keep flipping back and forth, VRBO, Verbo. And again, I am not anti-OTA. I think they provide a valuable service. I, I just think if, if we have a shared goal in terms of removing bad actors from this industry, bad guests in terms of screening, badly behaved guests, or hosts that are not so good at what they're doing, if we have a joint role in that, can't we kind of we share the same goal and i think the otas do have a a role in setting listing standards on their sites yeah preaching to converted Uh, and i know um with sea change vacation rentals you had your lists of what you should have in your kitchen and before you were supplying linens what the linens had to be like it was very clear that you weren't taking anyone onto your management program unless they were delivering the standards that uh, that you required. So I see exactly where you're coming from. I mean, why? what is the problem with saying this is what you should have in your kitchen? I mean, for me, well, you know, frying pans, frying pans, kettles. I did notice in a recent blog yes. post, recent blog post of yours, you did, you actually referred back to my experience of finding the 13 fry pans in a Vacation I know, rental. right? That kind of covers your point right at the beginning. We were chatting about your experience in Miami at the Book Direct show. I know your guest, <laughs> you know, not in terms of guest screen. Of course, we have the guest screening component because we really are. When I trained my staff, we had a set 
conversational scripted approach to screening guests. You know, we were taking bookings anonymously online 24-7 through our website, through the OTAs. We still screened physically called every guest because we were looking, obviously, to filter out the guests that we did not want. We had a strict age requirement. The registered guest had to be 25 or older. We had inventory in an area that attracted a college crowd. So we had to be very careful in that town that we were screening for that. But essentially, you know, I wanted to screen to make sure that the guest was booking the right property for their needs. Because <laughs> it, it is a disaster for, for a guest on a vacation if they're unhappy. But it, it is a PR nightmare for a company if they're dealing with an unhappy guest it's better to say, you know what, you booked this overnight. I thank you for your booking, but I'd be, you know, well, I'm getting my head, head of myself. You have a conversation with me, you know, what's the purpose of your trip, blah, blah, blah. You go through all those nice conversational kind of investigative questions. And you say, do you have any questions for me? And they made a scholars like I did with it's an Italy book. And I have two parents that are 85 years old. That's your opportunity if the guest has inadvertently booked property with 48 steps up to the front door to say, you know, Andy, this might not be the best property for you. I have another property that's available for your dates. I'll send you the, the listen. Maybe we should move mm-hmm. you. PR disaster avoided, vacation preserved. So, yeah, you know, communication is part of it, but also knowing your guests and just if you know that you have somebody come into town for a vacation rental conference that's attracting a lot of similar industry professionals. Number one, you know where your property is located. You know you're located in in a conference town. And if you are attracting a vacation rental conference, that's your opportunity to bring your A-game, to show that you really are very good at what you do. And from a normal operational standpoint, but then if you know you have a VIP guest arriving, you really need to you know, dot your eyes and cross your T's. And if something goes wrong, you need to handle it quickly and appropriately and not let it kind of drag on. Own it. Say, I'm sorry, we're human. We messed up. Somebody called it sick that day. Whatever was the problem that we get hit with and just handle it. Yeah, there's there's a book and I can't remember the uh, the author. I read it years and years ago when I was working in customer service at Reader's Digest and it's called A Complaint as a Gift. And basically what it says is that you know, you can have happy customers come and go, come and go, and they'll leave you, hopefully, not all of them are going to leave you a good review. But if you are able to fix a problem really, really well, if a problem occurs and you're able to fix it really, really well, you're likely to have a much more loyal guest who's going to give you a much better better feedback than you you will from the one who didn't have a problem at all. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it, it's about recognizing when somebody's got an issue is dealing with it in a way that's going to turn that emotion around. Yeah. So, Andy, I just want to go back to, I mean, you've mentioned luxury on a number of occasions during this conversation. You specifically look for properties that were labeled luxury. Now, clearly some of them were not in, you you would not have put them in your luxury category. What were your expectations? Because it, Luxury is a word that's bandied around a lot, and you see many, many properties called given that label luxury. And I just want to know what what this what does it actually mean? You know, yeah, loaded question. And I think it is up to the service provider to let you know what luxury means to them, so you can see if there's a sync up with your expectations. For me, what I was looking to achieve with a luxury booking 
you know, this this was a trip of a lifetime, you know, in essence. My parents are slowing down. Their ability to travel long distances, you know, it, they, they, they can't do it so much anymore. So, and also, four of my family members had not stayed in vacation rentals before. And I just saw my business. I wanted to give them a good experience. I felt a responsibility for that. So I kind of figured, you know, if you go to the luxury market, here are people that should be getting it right. So, you know, and for me, luxury means... It means a well-stocked kitchen because I do a lot of cooking. It means comfortable furniture and furniture that's appropriately sized for the space. So if we are a group of six traveling, I want all six of us to be able to sit in the living room Mm -hmm. and chat over a glass of wine. It also means comfortable beds. It means bathrooms that are appropriate. You know, when you travel a lot in Europe in particular with older buildings, they've been retrofitted with modern conveniences. You've got to be very careful when you're booking to look at the location of the bathrooms because otherwise you can end up with a bed and breakfast experience versus a luxury accommodation because somebody has retrofitted a shower stall into a bedroom and called that a bathroom. And that happened on numerous occasions with so-called luxury properties. And it gave my parents particular issues because a bathroom stall retrofitted into a bedroom means a very large step up. Mm-hmm. and back down from a wet wet shower stall. Um, and, I, and I hearken back particularly to our experience in Florence. That property in the listing description was marketed as a luxury property. Uh, it was up in the hills with a beautiful Instagram view of the rooftops of Florence, the, the Duomo. The property itself was a good example of a vacation rental listing. When you walk into the property, you feel like the family just left. It really felt like a family home that they were going to come back any minute. It did not feel like a a luxury professional accommodation. Even when I opened the kitchen drawers, you know, I opened one drawer, the base was, the drawer was half missing. So the cooking tools that were in there fell out onto my bare feet. I opened another cupboard to, to put some pasta on the boil. So I'm pulling out scratch dented pans, you know, usual stuff you see, a lot of mismatched, broken things. And the family's mugs with the kids' names on them. And I pull out a roasting dish. It's dirty and greasy. It's been put back dirty. You open the dishwasher, there's dirty dishes in the dishwasher. So big fail in terms of turnover processes. But really, the problem becomes before that. When we went down into the... And the house was beautiful. It was a 1970s-style house, sunken living room. I don't have a problem with old properties. It, you're in Italy. You're going to get rustic old properties. But the amenities need to be functional. And they need. if you're saying it's a luxury experience, it's got to be. There was outdoor furniture in the living room being used as indoor seating because there were two sofas in there. When I, this was, I found the property management company off of... Airbnb and called them directly. And the reply I got was the owner knows about the living room furniture. He likes it that way. He's not going to change it. Uh, like, okay, then you need to get rid of this owner, mm-hmm. you know, if you, because this is not luxury. I'm sorry to be that blunt, but that's the issue there. The dining room furniture, beautiful dining table, but there was some rickety plastic Ikea chairs that when you sat on them, they bent under very lightweight and my, I had to bring in the outdoor dining chairs inside because my, I was afraid my parents were going to fall on them. The one thing they got right, the beds were beautiful. They were comfortable and the linens were professional. The beds were made for us when we arrived. 
but overall, not a luxury experience. Yeah, that, that, that's really interesting. I, we're, we're sort of running out of time now, and I want to give you some opportunity to perhaps distill down some of the lessons that perhaps you'd like to share with with the audience. You know, if you can you know, come down fairly simply and say, okay, if, if you've been listening to this, this is what I need you to take away from it. Two words, cognitive empathy. Um, <laughs> basically, we need to think about our businesses from a guest perspective, whether we are a business of one, we have one property that we bought with our brother-in-law and we've thrown it up onto Airbnb, nothing wrong with that, still provide a good product and a good experience. And the way you do it is by thinking like a guest because we are providing an accommodation product. It's a hospitality product to the guest, not a real estate asset. If we can do that, if we can put ourselves into the mind and the behavior of a guest, navigating the space, then we will see issues, even safety issues, rugs that are trip hazards, lack of fire extinguishers. Put it from the perspective of the guest and, and it will resolve and it will raise an entire industry. The big guys, you know, the big guys that are in, that are in the industry, if they get it wrong, they have the potential of bringing down an entire industry. But don't overlook the small to medium guys, too. There's thousands of us out there that are managing one to 50 properties. The incremental effect on the industry of thousands of people getting it wrong in micro ways is just as damaging. Mm-hmm. So let's get our professional. Let's get our professional houses in order, literally. Yeah. And I think uh, and I'd, I was going to, to ask you the question about was there a difference? Is there a difference in, in professionalism? between owners, you know, hosts uh, independently managing their properties and, and managers. But I, you know, from what you're saying is, is that everybody, regardless of whether it's the one property, single property owner or the bigger property manager, has that same responsibility to standards, to meeting guest expectations in full. Exactly. And, you know, I, I have one personal driving motto, slogan, driving force, if you will, and it's value add. If I'm not adding value in, in something, I don't want to be involved in it. And if you're going to do it, do a good job of it. And how do you know if you're doing a good job? Ask the people who are using your product and your service. Mm-hmm. I think that's a great point to to end this on, uh, Andy. It's, it's always fantastic to sit down with you. I think we shall do this maybe again in the in the new year. We'll, we'll talk about your experience of selling Sea Change. Yeah, because I'm and sure. You know, I have a little sign on my wall: "No whining ever." We're not <laughs> whining. We are talking solutions, not problems. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Yes, uh, the, the, there are plenty of. There's always a solution. There's always a different way of looking at something and and coming up with something that people will enjoy. So, what are you doing with the rest of your time in Palm Springs? We are coming down towards the end of our stay. We have some family coming for the holidays. We are meeting some other professionals in the vacation rental industry, some contacts I've made locally that I get an opportunity to meet them in person. And then we will be back in Miami Beach in early January. Well, I'm still hoping to go to this forum at the end of January, but I haven't heard anything about it, so I don't even know if it's still if it's still going oh. on. <laughs> but if so, if so, I will see you in Miami at the end of January. <laughs> Yep, let's plan on it. Okay, thank you so much for joining me, for sharing your experiences. I'm sure people have found this really insightful. Thanks, Heather.
Well, that was great. Always great talking to Andy. He has such a pulse on this industry, has been in it for a long time. And his insights for me, I mean, his insights as a guest, I think, are something that we all need to think about, take into account what those experiences were, you know, not only from his perspective as a manager, but also just from a perspective of, of a guest, as, as a son taking family, taking his parents, his elderly parents away on vacation and having to go through, as, as he called it, the embarrassment of our industry not coming up to par, not coming up to the standard that was expected. So I hope to catch up with Andy. Um, if I go back to Miami towards the end of January, that would be fantastic. And uh, I will put his information on the show notes. So if you are a small to medium-sized company, you are looking for some help, then he is definitely somebody that you should connect with, at least just to have an initial conversation with to see if you're a good fit. I think he's going to, his his consultancy services, I, I know if I was starting out right now, then he would be the person that I would probably gravitate to. So uh, check out his website, which will be on the show notes. So that's it for this week. And... Next week, I am talking to David Jacoby from Hostfully. You know, you've been hearing from David every week for the past 10 weeks as Hostfully have been our sponsors. Next week, I am talking to him and Fred Basili from Hostfully. And we're talking about the 2022 Hostfully survey, the hospitality survey. And there's some really interesting results from that. And I'm sure you're going to want to hear about it. So make sure you tune in then. For now, thanks for listening. And I'll see you again next week. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to check out Hostfully, our podcast sponsor. Head on over to the Virtual Vendor Showcase where you can find out more about this incredible company. And don't forget to use the promo code VRF100 to save $100. We look forward to you joining us on our next episode. It's been a pleasure as ever being with you. If there's anything you'd like to comment on, then join the conversation on the show notes for the episode at vacationrentalformula.com. We'd love to hear from you. And I look forward to being with you again next week.